Hi, everyone. Before we started this episode of Trope Time, we wanted to make sure to give you a bit of a warning. This episode deals with lowly calm, and we wanted to just let listeners know before they got into the episode that we will be talking about sexual assault, particularly towards children, pedophilia, and child pornography. So we wanted to give everyone a heads up before you went into the full episode so that there are no uncomfortable surprises for anyone who may have been affected by those things. trope time i'm nikki and i'm izzy and today we're going to be discussing lollies and lolly cons and how so, they're not lolitas yeah and how yeah exactly they are not lolitas so let's dive straight into what a lolly is and then we'll talk about the history and how we got to this point Yes. How do we get to this point? Oh, men. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Wally's are girls who are of consenting age, but they just happen to look really young. And Lolly Kongs are people who are obsessed with lollies in lolly culture and have a thing for these girls who just happen to look young, but swear to God they're not. Swear to God they're not. So, and lollycom is actually short for what, Nikki? Lolita complex. There we go. Love us uh, some uh, shortening of words in Japanese culture. So... The term lolly comes from the word Lolita, and Lolita um, isn't actually the name of a novel by Vladimir Nabokov. Right. That's some Russian uh, creepy older man and younger woman action. Oh, Russia. They even made a movie. It says in 1962, they made this in a movie, but they said it wasn't sexualized. So how, now, when the whole plot is that it's a teenage girl having a sexual relation with her middle-aged stepfather? I don't know how that works out, but okay, sure, it's not sexualized at all. Because they love each other, you guys. It's all right. And a remake was made in '97. Sure. With 17-year-old Amy Fisher, so like she's on the cusp. So. I guess they're like, well, that should be better, right? Yeah, <clears throat> it's it's highly problematic. And one of the things we're looking at is that uh, Lolita, when we're talking about it in the West, is definitely associated with this novel. But within J- Japanese culture, it wasn't always related to that as much as Lolita Complex, right? Yeah, and uh, it was a fashion statement before the term... Lolita Complex came around, which that came out of another book by Russell Trainer called The Lolita Complex. Hmm. And it was written in 1966. And the term was borrowed by otaku culture. And 
that's how we came to about where we are now. Um, and I guess it, the height of Lollipon, well, it peaked in the, in the 90s when school uniforms became in vogue to sexualize girls with, I guess. They became popular around men. Every single anime in the 90s has a young middle school age girl in a school outfit and those knee-high socks. Yes. Pretty much. So let's get into etymology. Yay, I got to use that word. I haven't used that word in a long time since college. Um, So Lolita is actually a fashion statement and subculture in Japan, which takes its uh, influences from Victorian and Edwardian kids' clothes. And there are three different sections of this um, called Gothic, which I think every a lot of people know what Gothic Lolita is. They mostly dress in black and kind of like, it looks like they came out of an Edward Allan Poe book. Yeah, like Tim Burton. Yeah, a lot Where of Tim Burton. That same aesthetic, you know, like a lot of skulls, a lot of black lace, maybe Ravens. some spiders, mm-hmm. a lot of um, veils, you know, because mm-hmm. those were all the rage back in the day. Um, yeah. But yeah, like a creepy Victorian era doll. Yeah. And then um, the second one is classic, which I think that's more towards regular. I'm, I don't want to say regular, but like the, the like more Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Ish. Yeah. I think so. And oh, then you, more lace. Yeah. Lots of lace. And then sweet. Which I think that's like the super kawaii. Yes. Like super kawaii stuff that you get into. And um, there are certain subcategories even underneath that, like steampunk and ime and stuff like that. But the, those are the three main ones. Right. Everything branches off from within those three main categories. Yeah. And the main factor that all of them have in common is cuteness. Cuteness yes. seems to be the main thing. Like even and, the goth ones and they're dark are really cute. They're not creepy. I, I misspoke earlier. They're not creepy on purpose. It's not like they're trying to be zombie dolls. Um, but they're very, very cute. Just all things motif. Yeah. They're, they're creepy cute. Creepy cute. Creepy but definitely. Cute. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. On purpose. Exactly. On purpose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very intensely on purpose, like very, very strict regimens and like guidelines and standards on what you can and cannot put onto your Lolita outfit. And it's very much regulated about which of those three categories you start off in. And then if you're going into a subgroup of those, even those have very regimented things. So it's it's not something you just like smash together. It has a very intense structure that is to be adhered to. And this is an everyday life thing. This is not, I wore this on Halloween or just to a con. This is how I dress in everyday life. Yeah. And people, some people take it, ramp it up all the way. Some people incorporate little things because obviously like sometimes it's not appropriate to wear certain things to like a funeral or to... I don't know, a business meeting. Yeah, some jobs obviously have dress codes that may not allow for this. 
Mm-hmm. Or maybe you live in South Florida and it's 98 degrees and 80% humidity and four layers of clothing might kill you. So you don't do it every day intensely. There's that too. Yeah. But the original Lolita comes from women choosing and enjoying what they wear. Yeah, and being very excited about being ridiculously cute, which is yeah. very much in in line with kawaii, where the even the way that Japanese was written by girls changed drastically. Was that the 80s or the 90s? Do you remember, Nikki? I think, um, I I think the 80s. The, it was the, I thought it was 80s the 80s. The 90s? Yeah, in the 80s, 90s. Where they start, like, just, you know, incorporating a bunch of, like, smiley faces and little stars into their writing, which obviously is not um, strictly Japanese in origin. Yeah, I remember doing that as a kid, too. Yeah, exactly. So it's like being hyper-cute became very, very much a thing, um, I, I guess, as a rebellion or a reaction to such rigid kind of orthodox um, Japanese culture and norms. Where yeah. Yeah. You have um, a little bit, you're going to go all out on that one thing you can do. So it seems like that was something that perpetuated that Lolita fashion. And I also read, uh, when I went to a panel, when they had an anime con here in, in South Florida last year, and they had a fashion show, which was super cool. They were talking about how there's also a subset of Lolitas, which are lolis, or Lolitos, I guess. Um, not Lolis, Lolitos, and it's guys. Yeah. I've and seen they're that. wearing Uber uh Victorian and Edwardian gear as well. So thank you, know, Tom Hiddleston in Crimson. What was that movie? The Crimson Tide, maybe? With the Gothic House was Guillermo del Toro. Oh, 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 yes, yes. So was think it- him. Maybe with like when he's wearing that top hat and everything, like that would be in line with what they would be wearing. And I think there's even also like a subset where they could be more steampunk and not just gothic. But guys do it too, you know. Um, there is a subset of of young adult men, but they are men; they're not little kids who are choosing to also express themselves in this way in their fashion. Yeah, I've actually seen pictures of men doing even the sweet. Um, mm-hmm. fashion except they have like bloomers yes they and have those old timey Edwardian little sh- shorts with the socks all the way up and you're just like come on now that's adorbs it, it is cute but in addition to cuteness it also really the fashion also harkens back to childhood days and younger and I feel like guys always like to think that we dress for them so I feel like they misinterpret the intention of Lolita fashion. Yes, I could see that very much being the case. Yeah. That it's to attract men, of course. Just For like For sexual reasons. Yeah. I just wish people would let us like the things we like without trying to sexualize it. I mean Yeah. Or shame us. Like if yeah. you like to dress in Lolita fashion then more power to you. Awesome that you have the disposable income because that thing is pricey. Yeah, and I've heard, um, I know you had a very good experience with the community. I've also seen not so good experience. I think with any community, there's always elitists. Yeah. Um, Purists, as it were. Agreed. But I feel like it's a a subculture and it's a very tight-knit 
and um, guys end up making a complex out of it, which well, Lolita complex is what that is. Yeah. So some of the more famous examples going on right actually the last few seasons is a show called Dragon Maid, which features a hundreds of year old hundreds of year old or thousands of years old um, dragon who has to who gets saved or something. I don't I only watched the first episode. Anyway, she has to make herself into a human form, which is more acceptable. And the guy is like, well, if you want to repay me, I think because you saved her, you can be my maid. And she becomes like a little girl. Yeah, like, like a prepubescent. A prepubescent. Girl. Yeah, like elementary school age. Yeah. And becomes his maid. Because she's a dragon, though, in human child form. Yeah, and she's thousands of years old, so that must make it okay, okay because... She's mature, you guys. She's mature for, for her biological body age. And the thing <sighs> is, people defend this anime and the lolly culture in to the death, almost. Like, if you say... So, even pretty progressive people I've met... Um, if you attack lollies, they get really upset. And I mean, I know some people myself that um, will show me pictures of like two girls that are younger, like hugging and being like, isn't it so sweet? How can you say that this is bad? And I'm like, because you're sexualizing it. That's and why. there's your answer. Um, the purpose wasn't to make it cute or sweet. The purpose was to give it to you to for titillate you, I guess, if you want to. Yeah, join. I like that word, <laughs> but but it's ethical. Yeah, and it, it's very pervasive in um, anime culture, and I see a lot of women even loving that anime, and I I sometimes wonder if there was. An episode of Law and Order SVU Unit. Good show, by the way. Everybody should watch that. Um, where they had a girl who couldn't age or something like she had some disease where she was smaller or shorter. And but she was legal. She was like 20. And this other guy was older and was like in his 30s or something. So there was only like a 10 year difference. Well, they they were both kind of, maybe it was closer in age. Anyways, the whole episode surrounded about her agency and him and if he was a pedophile because he was attracted to her. Who if clearly that, looked way younger than her age. Yes. As in so, not consenting age looking. Yes. So she wanted to move in with him. And she was perfectly legal of age. And her parents were trying to break it up by suggesting that he was a pedophile. Yeah. So in that case, it involved real people. And that is, if that well, were Fictionalized happen, real people. Fictionalized real people. But actors, like, they look like human beings, live action. So, yes, I can see how that could maybe be a moral conundrum because she's choosing this. And she's a... Square. Actual of age. Actual, yeah, she's an actual real person. But in 
in a fictional like animated sense it's i feel like it's not as morally blurred it's pretty black and white yeah and we talked about this in our first episode with fan service it's like mm-hmm. well how can you claim for an animated well it's a, not how can you claim let me restate that how would you be able to clarify to the viewing audience that your fictional animated individual in fact does have agency. We talked a couple of ways that they could have done that. Um, like with the upskirt issues where they could mm-hmm. like maybe give a coy smile or, you know, um, indicate that they knew it was happening and that it's not just happening to them. But in this case, because it revolves around exclusively fetishizing individuals who appear to not be of consenting age. Yeah. Within an animated format, it definitely gets highly problematic, to say the least. And I've heard others who are friends with Lollicons try to justify this by saying, well, it's fictional, and let them get it out. And that way, which to me is like a freaking red flag because you're like, okay, so are you suggesting that if he didn't have this, he would do something else? Right. Is it a threat to violence of live individual children if Lollicom uh, hentai, for example, is no longer available? Yes. That's all kinds of red flags. I know. In fact, um, it, doing research for this, I found that. Uh, Hentai Haven, which is a streaming service. Um, Let's describe what hentai is for anyone who doesn't know. It's animated porn. It's anime porn. There's lots of tentacles. Heads up. Yes. So um, apparently they took off their lolly tag. And people are so so upset that they are signing a petition. To get it back. To get it back. To get it back. Um, and it, it's just, it blows my mind how, I mean, the anime industry is pretty progressive and I feel like nerddom is becoming progressive, but we're still holding on very tight to things that are obviously wrong. Yeah. Uh, and excusing them away, like saying, oh, well, like the example you were saying for that justification mm-hmm. of like, oh, well, the animated form means that they're not doing, engaging in this activity themselves with in real life people in, you know, like, oh, you play violent video games. Well, yeah, if I don't play a violent video game, if I'm not on Call of Duty sniping people, that doesn't mean that because I can't play Call of Duty, I'm going to go out and start sniping people. That's just me. You know, like that doesn't seem like a valid excuse or justification for something that is a threat of violence on non-consenting children. You know, like child pornography and child trafficking is a very real problem in the world. And it just seems kind of like taking light of that to maintain this stream of, I hesitate to say the word entertainment, but I feel like that's what they would venture to call it. And I hope it, like other countries have uh, like Call of Duty games and first-person shooters, and they don't have the massive amount of violence that America has. So I have a feeling it's not the video games for that, but 
but there's a different aspect. That's violence. There's a different aspect when it comes to sexuality. I mean, you can, you don't have to, you can sexualize little girls just by looking at them across the street. And it's nothing that the girl is doing. Exactly. I because feel like she's just dressing like a girl dresses. Yeah. And you are attracted to that. Now, I mean, I'm not saying that everybody's going to go out and. Right. But it just seems like a, a, a straw man's argument. Am I using that correctly? I think so. Yes. So straw man is a common form of argument and an informal fallacy based on giving the impression of refuting an opponent's argument. In this case, that lowly is pedophilia while actually refuting an argument that was not presented by the opponent. Uh, at least they're not going out and doing it to real people. One who engages in this fallacy is said to be attacking a straw man. Yeah. it's it, And that seems to be the flimsiest of excuses. Like, yeah. well, they're not going to do it in the real person, real, real world if you have this, or, same, or comparing it to first-person shooters. Right. And it, it's like all of the actual data that's coming from agencies that are actively trying to prevent child trafficking for the purpose of sex uh, trade and child pornography as a medium say that it's not something that is going to satiate these individuals. It always continues to escalate and they consume more and more and more of that medium and usually escalate to de- really living that all out with an individual actual live person. So I was doing some research prior to this and I looked at Child Rescue Coalition. They're protecting um, innocence through technology is their tagline. So basically what they're doing is that they are rescuing children by identifying um, those that are being trafficked and used for visual uh, distribution They're worldwide, they're in 84 countries, and they've helped get 10,479 predators arrested and have saved actual live children, 2,414. And what they do is that they know that this is going on, that this is something that is being trafficked in. Child pornography is just basically anything that describes sexual exploitation of children, which lowly come Um, hentai for example would definitely fall under and in the proliferation of peer-to-peer networks permits the sharing and so what they do is they look at the trafficking and distribution of those materials are illegal so they look at the ip address and are able to go ahead and um, work in conjunction with law enforcement to try to get these people apprehended for that offense and many times as recently talked about when I gave those stats they show that um, these individuals usually have access to young children so research shows that as many as 85% of online offenders are already hands-on offenders of children in real life so it definitely just falls apart when you're talking about and that was the National Center of Victims of Crime and Centers of Disease Control that's their stat so by People saying, oh, well, this animated um, sexualization of children is not bad because, you know, whatever, they're just getting their kicks and it doesn't have any real world effects. I would venture to say that these individuals are just 
not going to stop and are probably in scenarios where they're around children, like actual live children, wishing to fulfill these fantasies. And I feel like going by that, context matters when it comes to comparing it to video, to first-person shooters. Mm-hmm. Normally, in a first-person shooter, you are on the good side trying to save the world from whatever calamity, but you yeah. are actively trying to do good. Right. And one could claim PvP, which is uh, person versus person, is not a story-based part, and it's just people going against other people who are also trying to engage in that same activity against you. So there's agency, which is not present in Lolicom. Yes. Would you agree? I would agree. And, and the most disturbing are the games. Um, especially yeah, bring those up, because those are creepy as hell. So yeah, like... There are dating sims with lollies in them, and it's just creepy, and there's curated lists on Steam, and if you read the uh, reviews for the games, they're just, they're just really creepy, and I know that people say that it can't be creepy because it's all innocent, but that's the creepy part, is like people preying on the innocence of these characters that are not even real. It just Yeah, and explicitly supposed to be way younger. Like, they're written as way younger. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like they're they're written point. to act, like, way younger. Even, like, if you want to go into this subgenre of, like, Moe. Okay. Define Moe again. Moe was an art style that... Or, Came, became really popular with the anime um, the Suzumi Haruhi, the melancholy of Suzumi Haruhi. So they're like high school girls, but they're drawn kind of younger, and they act really cutesy. Okay. Um, so they still perceive to have that innocence, but some of them actually have more adult bodies, but still act really, I don't know. It's the eyes. Like their faces look young, but their bodies may be fully developed. Hmm. If that makes okay. sense. It's like a weird combination. But yeah, it's, um, uh, I don't know. It, Moe is like on that fine line. I mean, high school is still underage. Yeah. But like, I think it's creepier with lollies where they purposely look more like elementary school. Right. Definitely prepubescent. Yeah. And, and, but they're supposed to be in high school. So. It's- we're 18 or older. Ugh. I mean... Yeah, and I get the point. They're like, oh, well, this is fiction. Who cares? And we've talked to a couple people about that case and kind of like picking it apart and trying to really get to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. I think what we've we've come across with various people we've talked about in or out of the industries of um, entertainment is that basically... It really does boil down to the individual who is the consumer and how they're interpreting this. And so it becomes a part where like maybe the people or the companies that are supplying this form of entertainment are saying, well, listen, we're not intending it to be used in this fashion. But there are clearly from what we were, we read about the reviews and read the reviews to us out loud Definitely consumers who are explicitly using it for this purpose. Yeah. Um, And like we were looking at the numbers from the charity about the 
trafficking or the distribution of child pornography, one of the things that they were noting as a disturbing trend is that because purveyors or consumers of this genre, let's say, are getting desynthesized to it being like, oh, well, I'm already used to seeing a bunch of 12-year-old girls, so now I want it to be younger. Mm -hmm. And so the actual trafficking of imagery that is explicitly sexual of even younger kids has gone up in the last couple of years. And so you're like, oh, well, this could just be correlated and isn't causal, but we have talked to people who are like, well, I started looking at stuff and I need a little bit more. So I, I kind of feel like even if it's not explicitly for the purpose of that mm-hmm. type of consumption, like the intent isn't for that, it is feeding into that loop and therefore becomes problematic because it's right up there with the fan service that we were talking about in our first episode. Yeah, it seems innocent enough in anime when a girl in a skirt tripping and innocently falling forward and then her skirt flies over her ass and is now showing her ass or you know, like the wind coming and only affecting this poor girl's skirt. And she's like, oh no, what's happening? Or is oblivious to it. Like, what's the big deal about that? And I think my train of thought has always been is that this starts normalizing behaviors. So if you start normalizing behavior of actively seducing or actively sexualizing prepubescent children, and in this case, it would be in the lowly, issue, it would be girls by definition, right? Um, Mm -hmm. It normalizes that behavior because your brain might not understand on a neurological level. I'm not a, you know, a neurologist to know this or a psychologist, but I kind of feel like if you're desynthesized to something and just see it as normal, then you begin to act as if it is normal in real life. Um, I mean, that's why there's this huge movement now for like better representation in media because if you see examples of either yourself or others you're better able to relate to yourself and others in the real world so I kind of have to say that I mean it may not be a direct um, causation they might just be both simultaneously happening at the same time you're like oops but it kind of feels like one is a little bit influencing the other and the fact that this is normalizing the sexualization of girls I'm not a fan of as a girl as when I was a girl I'm obviously not just a girl now uh, but when I was a girl I was very much sexualized and objectified by the adult men around me and it had negative effects on my self-esteem on my sense of safety outside in the world and I'm not the only one that happened to it's not just anecdotal I mean there's numbers behind this as well so I don't know I kind of feel like the whole lowly thing seems innocuous but if you're normalizing behavior that can be dangerous then it's more likely to not be seen and deemed as dangerous as it really 
can and actually is. Yeah, I mean, despite the intent, I almost wish like we that it could be as innocent as it it looks on the screen, like girls just having fun, and maybe they just have a tendency to look younger. Which I mean, like I'm people think I'm twelve or something, so I, I get that. But um, I don't know the object objectification by men just really bothers me and um even and if it's they overt say, objectification yeah. too and I, I know they're like we just want to protect them and it's just so innocent and i find them cute but i don't know there's something sexual about it and it's very one-sided sexual about it yeah it it, it very much bothers me um and the dating sims like come on they're they're dating sims. And they're, and, and they're, they're rogue games, too, where, you know, you do more than just date. And there are patches to add things than more than just date. And it's, it's it, it almost makes me, makes my stomach turn a bit. Right. So you can't really claim like, oh, our intent as producers of this media is not for it to be used this way if you're creating patches to explicitly use it that way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there are shows and there are other games with the same art style where, you know, the objective is completely different. has nothing to do with dating, mm -hmm. nothing. But, yeah, there are explicit games just to do those things as well. Yeah, I mean, if, again, if you put out a patch for it. Yeah. It's yeah. Because that's what you wanted. Yeah. To, so. Yeah. But, I, I mean, how can we fix this? I mean... There's really nothing to fix. It's it just needs to be kind of put away together altogether. Or maybe men just need to stop objectifying, but that's not gonna happen anytime. No, soon. because it's been so normalized. Yeah. For so long. And we're still yeah. seeing it. We see it in media, right? We see it where like there's been academic studies done on the mm -hmm. fact that in advertising there's a disturbing high percentage of imagery of women with no heads or that their heads are in shadow or taken out and they're just objects. And the things that they're supposed to be selling have nothing to do with the reason why this body is now naked. And you're like, okay, we're selling a handbag. I don't know about you, but the last time I had my handbag, I was not stark naked splayed out on a bed or something, you know, like, it definitely is something that has been normalized. I think with the Me Too movement catching more steam and the um, the whole movement of just like, no, we're, we're sick of this. Like, I just don't want to be treated like this. I don't want to have to monitor and police the actions of men who I have no actual control over their actions. They're the ones who are choosing to do these things. You know, like I'm just mm -hmm. existing in this world and it doesn't matter if I'm wearing a potato sack and it doesn't matter if I'm wearing a burqa. Like there's still objectification of women. So that seems to be a problem on behalf of the people who are doing the objectifying. Well, I'm, I guess there's really no place else to go in this conversation because we're both in agreement. <laughs> yes, we <laughs> both agree that that is sucky. Yeah. It, it, and, and should stop. Yeah. All right, so I guess we're going to call that a wrap for for this episode. <laughs> um, 
thanks for listening. And um, we're going to plug our parent site. Yes. So yes. thanks again for listening to, again, this is Trope Time. Um, this is our latest episode on, um, I would just caption it as, Lolita fashion is not lowly. Mm-hmm. And why can't men just let us like things? Um, we're going to shout out to our friends at Nerd on the Podcast. So if you mm-hmm. like pop culture and fandoms, make sure to check them out. Supporting them means you're supporting us as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we definitely want to make sure that you're subscribing to Trope Time on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you get a chance to give us a review, that would be amazing. We're starting off. And so all of the support and um, feedback that we can get even better. As a reminder, we have a Patreon account. It's the Nerd On Patreon account. You'll find details to how to get to that in this episode's details. For just a dollar a month, you can help support our podcast, Trope Time. And And talk to us. And talk to us on our Discord. Please don't be creepy. That would be awesome. Um, So far, we've had awesome people come on and Mm -hmm. had had really great discussions about previous episodes, about things that we're looking forward uh, to talk about in the future episodes. So we definitely invite you to check that out. Again, for just a dollar a month, you would be able to have all that stuff and be a huge support for us to be able to continue on. Yeah, and also subscribe Please like and subscribe and uh, check You know, get out. a friend to do it. Just, you know, have them subscribe. If they don't listen to it, that's on them. <laughs> and also check out our, our social media accounts uh, for Nerd On on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So we'll see you uh, next time. Yes, thanks again for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.